Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 171 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services studio. I am your host, Kyle Sutherland, and we thank you as always for joining us. If you're a first-time listener, be sure and hit that subscribe button on whatever forum you're listening to. So that way you get notified anytime we release an episode. And if you could be so kind to leave us a written review and some star power, that would really help us continue to grow and get our name out there. And uh, guys, we got a special guest tonight. I was just thinking that we were going to have Jacksonville High School coach, assistant coach to uh, Coach Joyner, my buddy, Monty Patel. Monty, first off, man, appreciate you joining us. But he surprised me with one of his former pupils and current Razorback freshman star, Devo Davis. Devo, really appreciate you coming on and joining us, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, Devo, I'll start with you. You know, this is going to be kind of fun because uh, I can kind of put uh, Coach Patel on the spot here, you know, on a couple of questions. But, you know, how has this been going for you, man? You know, you've been uh, just such a key piece to uh, the Razorbacks winning nine of the last ten basketball games. You guys are just one of the hottest teams in the country right now. What has this been like for you so far? Um, It's been fun just knowing that um, I was coming in as a freshman, learning new things, and – as you see, I'm being able to affect the game in many different ways and just help the team win. And, Monty, what's this been like for you as a, a guy that's, that coached Devo and, and uh, you know, has been around him so much? I remember back in August, you know, everybody was talking about this top five class, but Moses was, of course, the one of the top guys that everybody was talking about, KK. Now, we know what kind of potential that they had overall, but I remember you telling me that, you know, nobody's really talking about Devo. They need to start listening, and uh, you sure enough were right about that. Man, I've just never, never in this short career have I seen anything like it and just had a player like that. And so when when people ask if I was just being biased, I'm like, I'm dead serious. Like that kid is going to shock you because one way or another, he's going to find his way on the court. That's what he does. He's he's a chameleon of sorts. And he just had to figure out how to get on the court. And then after that, the magic just starts happening. It's incredible. And so the Razorbacks right now, they're projected as a four seed. Now, they've still got a lot of work to do as we got two games left in the regular season, and then we get into the SEC tournament. But uh, speaking of, March Madness is right around the corner, and I want to talk about our friends at Bet Online. Also, the NBA and NHL are in full swing, and, and Bet Online is the premier spot for you to be placing your bets. Anything from awards, TV shows, and reality TV, Bet Online has hundreds of props with real time odds on almost anything you can imagine. You can also get involved virtually through the online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag and receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And Devo, let's talk about the LSU game and Alabama games. Now, you guys had two massive wins over the past week, number six, Alabama, and then beating 
LSU on Saturday, which was a huge game for you. And uh, I want to talk about that because, you know, those were two rough games that you guys had early in the SEC conference play. You beat Auburn, and then you lose Justin Smith. And there was just a lot of things that you guys were having trouble finding your ways in, in some ways, really not just um, – not really tr- having trouble finding your way, but really just trying to mesh because you hadn't played together much at that point. So what has that been like for you, just, you know, knowing that, you know, you started off struggling there and then you guys have just come on this massive run? Yeah, Alabama and LSU are two really good teams um, in this league, in the country, actually. So just knowing that um, as a team, we have to come in the second time playing those guys, having to execute and play with toughness and play hard every single minute. And so just being able to just listen to the coaches and they give us the keys and we just got to go down to the game and execute and just do what we have to do to um, to get the job done. And as you see, we did that. Um, just knowing that this team is very special. And as a freshman, me seeing this type of environment, um, it's not it's not the best, of course, because Bud hasn't been filled up and things like that, but the fans and the student sessions, it's been crazy just knowing that um, more and more people are being able to come to the games and things like that. It's, it's been fun. And what kind of impact has guys, you know, Moses Moody again came in with you, a very highly touted player, but the other guards, you know, Jalen Tate, a grad transfer that's had a lot of playing time in college basketball, Justin Smith, some of the older guys, but like I said, you know, you guys hadn't played together before this year. Desi Sills and Ethan Henderson, really the only two guys that had had minutes for this team previously under Coach Musselman. What kind of impact have they had on you? Uh, just coming in as a freshman, um, knowing those guys has been in this league. I mean, been been in college, been playing college basketball for a long time. Just just coming in as a freshman, just learning learning things from them, um, watching, and also talking with those guys has helped me out a lot, um, tremendously. And I can say that um, just just talking to Jalen Tate every single day, because um, from point guard to point guard, just just me and him just communicating every single minute, every single second um, of practice and things like that it's it's helped me out just learning the small things so i can say he's helped me out a lot and just just knowing that justin uh smith is the voice of our team um he's 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 always been the one to get everybody clicking and so just those just listening to those two just watching whatever they do and just trying to learn in various ways i mean it's helped me out a lot and Monty, I'll go back to you. So, a couple of players that you have. So, you you coach Devo, you coach Tyree Appleby. You know, the I, I mostly cover uh, high school football within the state of Arkansas just because of my schedule. I cover basketball a little bit remotely, but I, I'm a strong supporter of recruiting the state. I think that there's a ton of underrated talent that people just don't tend to see, but I feel that it has gotten a little bit more noticed. What does that mean to you? I know that there, that it goes further than just Devo and Tyree, but you know, to coach two guys of that caliber to be dominating at the SEC level um they've just been doing so well uh how has that been well <clears throat> i missed tyree by a year before i got here or two years i want to say i missed him by two years but his dad's been on our staff uh and he's been coach joiner's right hand man for a while so i've just gotten to know him and his family really really well and you know coach Appleby's a great guy for us so just getting to watch them two go at it on national television was fun because you know they're jacksonville maiden jacksonville rods and like they made it out of here and they're they're succeeding on the biggest stage you possibly can. So it's just been fun to watch and just fun to support those guys. I mean, me and you both know and we talk about it plenty of times. I mean, you know, we want our kids in state, but 
those situations don't always play out like that and you can't hold it against the kid for doing what's best for him. So it's just, I'm happy to see he's succeeding. And Dave, I'll go back to you on that. So, you know, your recruiting process, uh, you were highly recruited out of the state of Arkansas, but, you know, there was a lot of stuff about uh, Oklahoma State, and I know that that was one of your favorites there. What was it that really turned you on to? I, I just listened to the hog pot and talked about how Justin Smith, you know, initially he didn't want to – now this was a different situation for him because he had never really been to the South and just really had no interest in Arkansas. But then he saw that what Coach Musselman had to offer that first call. He had seen how Coach Musselman had broken down his game and it was just really a place that it seemed like he wanted to be the culture seemed like it was where he wanted it to be and what was it about coach Musselman and this staff that really made you want to become a Razorback outside of being from here well first um I looked at like how I could fit in with the program and how I fit in like the way he coached and so I feel like he let his guys play with freedom and then as you see that's what he's letting us do now and so just that was the first thing but also just going down and looking at the the rest of the uh, entire coaching staff and as you see um some of the guys or most of them coached in the NBA or even played overseas or in the NBA. So just looking at those things and just knowing that they can help me get to the next level after college, um, that's what I looked at the most for sure. And who is, was it Corey Williams? Uh, Coach Williams, was that, was that your recruiter? Yes, him, him and Coach Moss, yeah, him and Coach Moss came down um, after I decommitted from Oklahoma State and, um, yeah, they came down, talked to me, and things like that offered me. And, and after that, a couple of days after that, made my decision. So what does that make? You know, the, the, all this coaching staff, Coach Moser, NBA experience. Coach Williams played with Michael Jordan. And, of course, Coach Musselman, all that NBA experience in the CBA and his father, Bill, with uh, all, the t- all the years that he coached there. How, how much of, of an impact did that have? Just knowing, look, look, we've been in NBA draft rooms, we've been on plenty of NBA teams. How much did that factor into your to your decision? Knowing that these are this is the coaching staff that uh, is really probably second to none in terms of knowing what it takes to get there. Uh, they, them guys has hit me out a lot. Just knowing that Coach Moser has coached Kobe, so he's one of the guys that look at like. The statistics and things like that. Knowing Coach Core, he played, so just knowing he know the game very well, and so just knowing, just getting bits and pieces from each and every coach has helped me out a lot, and, and I'm, I'm I'm grateful for that. And I feel like um, in in the future, them guys will continue to help me out um, with with decisions and things like that for sure. And how do you feel right now? I mean, man, you know, like I said, I I asked you earlier, you know, what this whole process has been like for you. But, you know, I I know that you're not trying to look too far into it. But just knowing, you know, how how last year, you know, you had your high school season taken away. The rest of college basketball and all these other spring sports had their season taken away. But knowing that you guys are about to be uh, at least a top four seed, you're going to get a double bye in the SEC tournament. Actually, and, and of course, like you said, you don't get to experience Bud Walton Arena at its fullest capacity like most years we do get to see but you're about to be playing in Nashville for in the SEC tournament and then you're going to get to experience the the NCAA tournament you know how how does that all that feel and how do you soak that in uh, it's amazing just knowing that um I'm able to play on this big big stage and just being able to play with the group of guys that I'm 
that I'm playing with and uh, playing for the coaching staff that I'm playing for. And like you said, we um, missed out on the state um, state championship last year, which was fine because, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, we it's something that we couldn't control. And so, I mean, we got our ring and, and we had fun that, um, last year. And so I feel like as, as, as a high school player, I had to um, grow and develop. And coming into college, I had to – prove myself again you know and so i'm trying to continue to do do that as well i feel bad for asking this as somebody that does cover high school sports within arkansas but it was it was it Northside and jalen williams that you were supposed to play or what was the who was the team that y'all were possibly going to be squared up against that the season got canceled before uh we were supposed to play west memphis chris moore now that's Um, right it was chris moore okay okay yeah and i mean that that was you know you look at jalen williams and chris moore are you are you i know that you and jalen are probably pretty tight being from the same recruiting class within state lines but you know did you guys all have a pretty tight relationship Uh, and of course moses was a uh, north little rock guy kk was a bryant guy were y'all all pretty close growing up before you started playing college ball I mean, me and Jalen um, and KK, I played on, I played with those guys in AAU before, and so I, I knew, I knew them guys um, pretty close. I was pretty close with those two. Um, me and Moses never played together, but um, I did know Moses. Um, we also played against each other um, multiple times during AAU season and things like that. So just knowing that. As four individuals that's from the state of Arkansas, of course we know we we knew of each other and we've talked before, and so just knowing that me and Jalen played on the same team, and like you said, we're close. Um, we're we're still close right now, and we talk every single day, and it's fun being being and playing with those guys for sure. What what are the kind of impact? You know, we know uh, what Coach Joyner uh, at Jacksonville has done for basketball in this state. A legendary coach here. Talk about the impact that he had on you and how great it was to be able to play for a guy like him. The transition from Lighthouse to Jacksonville High School was crazy. I mean, I I, I wasn't being pushed like I was more like I wanted and needed to be at um, the charter school that I attended. So just the transition. From there, going to Jacksonville High School, playing for Coach Joyner was great. I mean, I've learned so much. Um, just knowing Coach Coach Patel coming in, and then we got other other coaches on the staff um, teach me things and and trying to help me learn things off the court. It has helped me out a lot. Um, just knowing that it helped me as a better ball. It's helped me become a better ball player, and that's what it did. And now, now I can translate that, and I'm just continue to learn every single day um, coming into college, um, going to practice and things like that. I'll get back to uh, Coach Patel here in just a second, not trying to leave him out of the water here. But like I said, he gave me this nice little surprise of uh, being able to visit with you. And I wanted to talk about, to go back to your recruiting process. Now, like you said, you were you were committed to Oklahoma State and then ended up becoming a Razorback, obviously. But, man, you know, with the way that recruiting has gone, you know, it's it, it usually announced on Twitter and it's become such a social media thing. And it, it's pretty crazy, the amount. And I know that Coach Patel can certainly uh, agree with me on this, just the amount of pressure that is put on a seven. 17, 18 year old kid to uh, just make a decision that is best for them is uh, it's just pretty crazy to me but what was that like for you did you feel very pressured I know that there was per- certainly people that were in your ear saying like hey man you need to be a Razorback you need to be a Razorback but I would imagine you probably had the right people in your corner that you knew were going to have your back you had the right support system and, and we're going to steer you in the right direction to do what was best for you Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I only had a couple people in my corner, and 
and I know those people was gonna gonna be be there for me no matter what decision I made. And of course, I had a lot of different people saying, "Go here, go there," and that's fine. I knew that they came with it, and, and I didn't have a problem with that. And but I kept them at my ear for sure. And the people that was in my corner, I asked them questions. They gave me feedback, and and I ended up talk at Arkansas. So. Um, apparently, apparently, um, the people that was in my corner um, gave me the goods and the bads, and and as you see, all 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 goods have came out of it. And so I, I just I just feel grateful that I came here, and I'm I'm lucky to be on this team for sure. And Monty, we'll uh, we'll talk about something that I know that uh, you were just dying to talk to me about, and that's the whole Arkansas State thing. Now, Devo, I know you can just kind of sit back and listen to this one just uh, because of the way that things kind of seem to uh, turn out, at least in some people's regards. But so Arkansas State uh, was possibly that there's a chance that they could play Arkansas on November 13th this next year. Last week or week and a half ago, whatever it was, Texas A&M canceled the second game with the Razorbacks due to COVID protocols. That's what they called it. And we apparently tried to schedule a game with Arkansas State. Mike Bellotto, the head coach for the Red Wolves, went on the news and basically said, hey, we're not going to be somebody's little brother. We said all this stuff, this whole little tangent. Now, I know, Monty, that you and I have talked about this a little bit off record, but you being an A-State alum, I know that you and Coach Bellotto talk, and I'll say this, I think Coach Bellotto's a good guy. He certainly uh, has my respect. He's coached on some really good teams. I know that he was on the staff that won the national championship at Louisville in 2013. I thought his response was just a little bit childish and a little bit uh, the way that he went about it. You could just tell that he was extremely, um, extremely, I guess, offended in some ways. But either way, uh, I know that I am hoping that we get that that matchup next uh, November on the 13th. I think it was the 13th is when we were going to get it. But we can go ahead and jaw about this a little bit. I know that you were completely on the other side of the spectrum. I'll get your thoughts. I mean, me coming from A-State for the years I was there, like if we just look back even at football, Arkansas was on the decline so bad, so many bad things that happened. The, the Petrino era was ended. You had Smith come in, then Bielema, uh, and then the Chad Morris era. And, and during those times, Arkansas State is succeeding. They're in bowl games. I mean, they're winning a lot of football games. And, and no one wants to talk about, hey, man, we're trying to play Arkansas, and no one no one wants to do it. And everyone's like, oh, it doesn't matter to us. But in a lot of those years, they would have won those games. They had really good teams with some guys that I'm fortunate enough to be friends with that went to the NFL. And no one wants to talk about it. And now, like – like I'm glad, obviously, I'm a big Arkansas fan and, and a big I got a kid there that I get to watch and root on every day. And, you know, when that game comes to it, I've told Arkansas State, because those are some of my guys, like when you're playing against one of my former players, I'm rooting for them a hundred out of a hundred times. There's no question. But I mean, we're talking about they they were competing for first. It was in the division, and that would have gave them a one or two seed in the Sun Belt tournament. And now, you know, you got tweets coming out of Oh, they've lost this game. They've done this. They've done that. I mean, the game made no difference for them. If they beat Arkansas in that game, that doesn't put them in the NCAA tournament. The only thing that does is winning the Sunbelt tournament because you're only getting one at-large bid. So what's the point of playing that game when you have three games coming up in a week? As From a coaching standpoint, to me, I'm just going to kill my guys for a game that, yeah, the state does want, but I'd rather it be on both teams' terms instead of saying, hey, I'm going to get – bullied into going into this game which I, I understand as a from a coaching perspective i mean even the tweet that came out about it that arkansas state decline made it seem like oh they were running scared that no one said in the tweet hey they've got three games this week 
the scheduling doesn't work out. I mean, if between Bama and Missouri, if A-State was like, hey, let's play that Friday, we're off, Arkansas's not going to do that. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. And like I told you when we talked about it on the phone, I, I do agree with that. It's like, man, you don't want to kill your guys. Now, you do see, kind of like what I was talking with Devo about just a second ago, you know, Arkansas is going to get that double bye, regardless if they're the second or third seed in the SEC tournament, whatever it is. But, you know, in your conference tournaments, there are some times where you play five games, but you don't want that to have to happen if you don't have to. I do understand that aspect of it. I think for me, just and, and look, I'm not telling the guy how to act. He's a grown man. He can talk how he wants to. But I think for me, it was just kind of the way that he went about it. If all he would have said is, is you know, look, we just don't feel that it's our, our best intention to play. It's in our best intentions to play that. We have the opportunity to play in November. We're playing for the number one seed. And then left the whole little brother and all that stuff. I think that was where people are just jawing. And, and look, man, I got I got nothing but respect for Arkansas State. I know I take a lot of a lot of uh, jaws. I mean, shoot, like my other podcast, Gridiron Icons, where I, I highlight Arkansas high school football coaches as we're recording this earlier today I did one with a former play by our former color commentator for the football team uh, honoring coach Bill Keedy that was at Newport and coached other places but I, I got nothing but respect for any team within these state lines but I have especially through the years I've jawed with Arkansas State fans particularly like what you talked about in 2012 when we started to become on the decline they were on their way up I think it was just the way that and we talked about it on last week's show, the way that he went about it, just kind of the whole little brother thing, and just getting super, um, we'll call it what it is, a little butt hurt uh, from my regards in it. But I, I do think that in-state competition. Now, I don't think that the University of Arkansas, especially from the foot, which you know we could do an entire podcast over the football thing. I don't think that the Razorbacks benefit off that. But Devo, one thing I do want to ask you though, this is you know off subject of that, but talking about in-state competition. We talked about a second ago, you know, you playing against guys within state and then the, the last couple of basketball recruiting classes and then some coming up within the state are really, really good. Do you like the idea of playing like, you know, you guys have already played UCA this year. Do you like the idea of playing UCA more and playing some of the in-state schools just really from a competition standpoint? Um, I think it's wonderful from a fan standpoint, for sure. Um that's what everybody wants to see. But from a competition standpoint, um, some some teams some teams will compete with us. But um, like 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 you guys was talking about, uh, sometimes it's not as, it's not the smart it's not the smartest idea. But I think from a competition standpoint, um, just knowing that you're playing for something, and if it don't matter if you go to UCA or Euler or Arkansas, I feel like if you guys play each other. Then maybe maybe you let's put a chip on your shoulder, and that means you fight harder for for the game, or it makes you want to makes you agree, you know. So just just knowing, no matter what school you go to in Arkansas, such as A State, UCA, Euler, Arkansas. I mean, if you play, if if you guys, if one of those those teams play each other, I feel like it, it'll be a great matchup. Just knowing that. They're, they're playing for something, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And I, I was going to ask you next, you know, we talked about, you know, you playing guys within state lines. Who Who is a, a guy in the NBA or just it, whether they're in the NBA now or they've been in the NBA previously, they're retired, not no longer in the league. Who is somebody that you like to model your game after or who you feel like you do model your game after? 
And just going back and looking, a lot of people um, give bits and pieces from different people. But me as myself, I mean, I really just don't model my game after anybody. I just go out there and play, play, play freely and play, play my, play, play in my own space and my own space of mine, you know, and just being able to play like me, you know, and I've, and in the future, I want people to say, well, this player play like Steve. I mean, I think I don't play like anybody. I, I I got my own thing to my I got my own game, you know. Yeah, definitely. And you have a unique playing style and that the fact that I I've said on I think probably the last four or five shows, maybe even longer than that, that one thing that is very unique about you is that you don't have to have it doesn't matter if you have five points or I think it was fifteen that you had against LSU. It doesn't matter if, if your stats are high or or not. There's things on the court that you do, kind of like what Jalen Williams does, that people don't see on the stat sheet. You know, you can get your steals, you can get your rebounds, you can get your points. But where is it? Do you prefer? I know that you just like playing basketball all the way around, but do you prefer playing defense or offense? Do you have a preference in that regard that you maybe just enjoy a little bit more? Um, I think I think defense. Just saying, just saying that because that that, that turns the game up. You know. Just getting steals and deflections and things like that that gets the crowd and gets the the team and the coaching staff like more into the game and so just getting getting different deflections and steals leading to dunks and fast break scores and opportunities to score um, that, that turns the game up a lot. Has it always been basketball for you, or did you think about other sports as well growing up? Is as it always just uh, been hooping? Um, uh, I think around my seven around my seventh grade year. That's when I like took basketball um, a little bit more serious, but I actually played football and baseball as well. And I didn't really like basketball at first. It was crazy how 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 it happened. But I played football. I was really good at football and baseball. It was what I was best at. And so just knowing that <laughs> my family didn't want me to play baseball, they told me it was too boring. So I was like, all right. I mean, I let me continue whenever whenever I transferred to the lighthouse they didn't have baseball or football so I stuck with basketball and just continued to work at it and once I transferred there I went and played I mean I went and ran track and I also played basketball at um at lighthouse and so it was it was pretty fun just um new experience with the track with the track thing but yeah I played those four those those five different uh, sports and it was it was fun for sure so we we definitely would uh, be reminisced if we would remissed. I said reminisced if we did not talk about more high school stuff. Now that we got you and Coach Patel on, so Coach, I'll talk with you a little bit. Maybe what we'll we'll share maybe one funny story, uh, whether it be you know you, you getting on to him or or just a situation that might have happened to practice that you laugh about now that maybe not so much then. But we'll talk about one of those if you have one, and also maybe something that. Uh, but maybe just another one that uh, that like he might have done something really good and you praised him for it. I don't know what the case, whatever you want to say, but I'll let you have the floor and kind of talk about something. Maybe start off with a little funny one. Hey, Devo, when do you think I was the most mad at you? You'd probably remember better than I would. Um, most mad, <laughs> most mad. Oh, I remember. We was at practice and and you got mad because we was doing we was doing um, line drills, and I kept saying my knee was hurting, but it really wasn't hurting. And I kept coming in last, and you had me on the side. You had me on the side running for like ten minutes straight line drills. <laughs> <laughs> so stuff stuff like that, stuff like that drove me nuts about Devo. 
because because he would just be like, ah, I don't feel like practicing today, and and I'm just I'm sitting here like, man, like I get that you can play and all that crap, but that, you don't get another standard for me. Like I'm, you're treated like the rest of these dudes. Oh, you gotta do it. But I do remember that because then I just sat there like, ah, do it again. Nope, do it again. I was like, dude, you're a D1 athlete. What is wrong with you? Like you have to finish first. You can't finish last behind one of our bigger kids on the team. Like we have a post player. That was like 6'5", 220, 230. He's coming last behind him, and I'm over here losing my ever-loving mind in this gym. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even care what Devo does. You know, He don't even want to make it at Arkansas. Fine, don't make it at Arkansas. You'll get cut. Musselman will send you back, and that's it. Forget you. What Call now, a career. Now, Devo, let me ask you. Let me. T- I guess that's what I was trying to get at when I was trying to ask the second question of maybe a time that he was proud of you, too. I know that there was many of those moments, but maybe it was actually the fact of the days that you, uh, you did go full speed on the line drills. But I want to follow that up with what would Coach Musselman do if you did something like that? I, I have to know straight from the <laughs> horse's mouth. Uh, no, without no doubt, he's going to keep me out of practice for sure. I was about to say on the next, yeah, if we see uh, for the South Carolina game or the Texas A&M game on Saturday, if we uh, don't see you in the starting five, I'm going to assume it's because you did not go hard on the line drills. No, I'm kidding. Is <laughs> that or I ain't working hard at practice? One of the two. What is, yeah, what are – you know, I know that they're they're super intense. You know, we see them occasionally. Sometimes we'll see the videos of a coach at practice. And, you know, it looks like you do, you guys do have some fun. But but he definitely uh, – he, he's a very intense – you know, he's not a, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he is a super intense guy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, he always brings a lot of energy to practice. And no matter if he's having a bad day or, or he's having an excellent day, he's always going to bring the same intensity. And that comes with everyone else on the staff as well. And we as players have to match it. That's all it is. But on the flip side of that, you, you talk about him being like being intense. We know that he's got that. We see that on the sidelines at games. We uh, we see it in those videos at practice. But man, just the basketball teams, w- whether it's Ruta, whether it's Michael Musselman, Coach Mus, there the way that they market themselves is just phenomenal. Does, do you guys ever like the UPS thing for the Mississippi State game? Uh, when he took, I, I can't I think it was, I can't remember which game it was where he did the row the boat where he borrowed that from Coach Fleck up at up the football coach in Minnesota. Do you guys ever give him some ideas, or is that just something that maybe he takes from the fans? I know Danielle's had an, a couple of ideas for that as well, but do you guys ever float anything to him, or is that just kind of something that they do within the coaching staff? Wow, that's something they come up with, and we enjoy it in, in, in the locker room for sure. I mean, like you said, the UPS one—that's my favorite one for sure. I'm trying to see where they got these shirts, you know. So when they coming in, running in, <laughs> delivering boxes and stuff with notes and, and packages inside, so it's it's fun watching those guys, um, watching the people on the coach staff do that. Well, I got one more for you here, Devo, and we'll let you go, man. It's been great talking with you guys. We've been talking with uh, Jacksonville High School assistant coach Monty Patel and Razorback guard Devontae Davis, a.k.a. Devo, as we all know him as. And, Devo, when you guys were going through that that struggling spree right there at the beginning of the SEC season, there was, you know, there's always going to be rumors, especially if you look at the, the forums that, you know, there was bad locker room chemistry or, you know, Coach Musselman was just being too hard on you guys, whatever the rumor was. There was all kinds of people were coming up with. 
it's very clear to me. I don't even have to look into the locker room to see what kind of chemistry. You know, you guys are dancing together, having a good time, and it's very clear that you guys on the court, obviously, have really meshed together. But what kind of chemistry do you guys have? Not just your freshman club with Moses and KK, but again, I know that you had talked about some of the impacts that you know Ethan Henderson or Desi Sills, but you guys as a team, as everybody, what what is, has it been like? You know, as this season has progressed. Uh, it's it's been wonderful. We've never had bad chemistry inside the locker room. We've always been positive with each other, and I'm talking about the entire team. Um, we've always been been on the same page. We just, like you said, haven't clicked at the beginning of the SEC play. So just knowing that we've clicked now, and everyone in the country has noticed, and we're going to continue this 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 road this road trip, uh, this journey that we have going on, and uh, this street that we have going on, and hopefully, hopefully this um. This doesn't come to an end, you know. Um, we're gonna try to get get these two uh, two games that we have left in SEC play um, done and sealed. Um, get those two wins, and then going to SEC um, the SEC tournament with um, a lot of momentum. Well, fellas, it's been a blast talking with you, Monty. Appreciate you coming on, Devo. Appreciate you as well, man. And uh, you know, it's been great watching you develop as a player, watching you guys develop as a team, and and uh, it's been just a complete blast watching you. And we and like you said, get those last two wins, get into the SEC, and keep uh, keeps shocking the world, man. We're, we uh, we we've all got your back, and and certainly love watching you. And, and uh, nothing but the best of luck as we move forward. Well, let me add something to you, just just for entertainment purposes. If you got time, you got time. Uh, man, I got always got time for you guys. All right, listen, I, I'm ready for COVID to go away so these gyms are full in year two because I'm ready for the day that a student section hammers in on Devo. Like, I will be incredibly in front of that TV just laughing because, like, what people don't understand is the worst thing you can do is talk bad to Devo during the game. I don't know why, but he loves it. And it's so it's so true. I mean, we're like like think about this. We're playing Hot Springs. We mm-hmm. go into the locker room. We're down twenty at Hot Springs, and I'm like, God, we're getting whooped. We're playing like crap. We come out, and all these fans or all these student section are yelling, "Hey, Devo, he he doesn't belong with the Razorbacks. Overrated." Joker took over the game. Next thing I know, we're up ten. Then we go to Pine Bluff, first conference game, student section in layup lines. Yelling overrated, you suck, you don't belong at Arkansas. Triple double, first one of conference. <laughs> then then we go to uh Greene County Tech and playing them in the state tournament. They just start yelling out. Next thing you know, he's throwing lobs off the backboard and we're dunking on them. And I'm sitting there like, Y'all, the last thing y'all have to do, the last thing y'all need to do is talk. Y'all better start being nice to the guy. He'll leave you alone if you're being nice, but if you start getting on his head. It is over, so I can't wait to see what happens in college because I promise I will go to that betting website you said. I will take a Devo prop bet, and I will bet him to score 100 that day. Uh, you should, bet, betonline.com. That's where you should go. To rec- you can receive 50% off your first welcome bonus. I'll go ahead and reiterate that. And by the way, I'm just putting in my notes right now to uh, send to Barstool, Texas A&M, and South Carolina to talk some crap to Devo during the game. Okay, sweet. Got that? <laughs> Now you guys can expect you guys can expect a double a triple double or a double double at least in the next couple of games. So no no pressure, Devo, whatsoever on that. Not at all. <laughs> all right. Well, fellas, again, it was a lot of fun. Devo, my man, appreciate you coming on. It's great hearing from you. And uh, again, nothing but the best of luck to you and, and appreciate what you've done for the Razorbacks basketball team so far. Thank you for having me. 
All right, we're gonna we're up against a break, and then after this, we will talk some baseball and women's basketball with Porter and Cabo. Stay with us. You are listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for through our friends at eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go for the pair you have been eyeing. eBay's authenticity guarantees your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators that verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. The guarantee also protects sellers with a verified return process. Selling fees have even been eliminated on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479 479- Three six eight six four nine zero. The Hawk Talk podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-347. 9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on episode number 171 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland joined by our baseball guru, Kevin Bohannon, and our women's analyst, Porter Hayes. Porter, just now, as we were recording, coming back from Fayetteville after the Ladybacks have just beaten Alabama on senior night, 94-76, to 76, just a dominating performance as they have had so many of those this year. Porter, I know Amber Ramirez was really the star of the show, mainly high high of uh, 35 points, a career high, just went straight off. I'll let you tell me how many threes she hit. I know that she was just dominant and becoming the sniper, being the sniper that she was, but just a statement performance to end the regular season before they start conference tournament against Ole Miss here next week. And, uh, man, I know that it's been fun for you, the game that you've been to this year man it's crazy year you know get to get to witness the baylor win the yukon win and to to get to see all the seniors get sent off and yeah amber remembers 35 points she had seven threes in the first half alone um she hit ended up with eight which was one shy of the school record and i mean just i mean was going off and they they hit a little bit of a snag in the third quarter Alabama went on like an 11 or 12-0 run. I mean, it was a four-point game there for a minute. I mean, this could have been a 20-point game. It should have, but, you know, on senior night, with, with all the emotions that family in the building and the videos and stuff, you know, it, it was it was hard. And I think that's what happened to him in that Auburn game. You know, Auburn was winless in conference, and, you know, it gets closer to the season, and these girls keep on thinking that about their last game in Bud Walton Arena. Sellout crowd. I love the fact that, you know, guys – 
we had five games going on in Fayetteville today, and they still was able to get 4,400 in the building. So that just shows you the state of the program right now. Of course, the big send-off, you know, to Chelsea, Jalen, you know, Grace, you know, I mean, it's just crazy what this program's become. And Chelsea did her thing, 20 points. At least it seems like every game this season she's pretty much hit that. I don't think there is any question. We've said it over the last couple of weeks that she's the SEC player of the year. She was four for three from 10, seven of 20 shooting. And just, I, I don't think there's much more to say than that. She put a statement, you know, this was not necessarily a dominating game for her just because we've seen her score 25, 30 plus multiple times. And you can't forget that UConn game where she hit 37. But if she doesn't win, the, of course, they're probably going to put that co beside it because that's typically what the SEC tends to do to us. But there is just no question at this point who the women's, the women's SEC player of the year is. It's got to be Chelsea Dungy. Yeah, she's definitely put the league on notice. And she's also, you know, she's up her draft stock in the WNBA. I mean, I think she was a late first rounder. And some of the mock drafts had her in the top five. So now she's went from, you know, middle of the pack of the top 20 on the wooden women's watch list. And she's done nothing but move herself up. I mean, I think one poll had her as the, the top senior in the in the NCAA. So, yeah, she's done nothing but short of it. But you know, we talked about this last week with popularity and, and Ron Howard and Aaliyah Boston, which Aaliyah Boston, if she gets it, I won't be too upset because she has been a dominant force all season long. But like we also said, you know, when it comes to an MVP, what they mean to their team and how in the big game she's showed up, I, I think it would be anything short of a, a travesty if she didn't get it. Yeah, I got I to gotta give it to Aaliyah Boston, too. I, I think that I had mentioned that the last time that we were on. Is I, I guess it is a little unfair to say that Chelsea is hands down. I know that's definitely Homer of me, but like you said, she is. it's kind of like what Mason Jones was, and we've made this comparison, too. Mason Jones was the most valuable, and you can't take any disrespect from Isaiah, or any, you can't take any respect away from Isaiah Joe, but Mason Jones just was that basketball team last year. You hated to see him not win the SEC play, the overall SEC player of the year, which went to Emmanuel quickly, but uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's You can't necessarily be mad if it does go to Boston just because of the dominant player that she is, especially inside and with South Carolina uh, being, uh, I, I think that they are the number one seed. If they're not the number one seed, they're the number two. But uh, just with what they have been able to do, I guess you can't be too mad. But, man, just to think about, too, if they wouldn't have had a couple of those heartbreakers, Georgia, the one, the two to Texas A&M, you know that, and there's a couple more in there, Mike Neighbors would be also fighting for the, the coach of the year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you got those – I mean, two, you know, buzzer beaters against Texas A&M. I mean, you lost, you know, you dropped a couple, you know, in, in the first of the season with the post play. You know, you had Georgia just going inside on you. You know, Ole Miss, who they're playing Thursday, I mean, gave them all they could handle. Auburn, uh, you know, the game before, 0-13, gave them all they could handle and, and eked one out. So, yeah, I mean, they should have won a couple, about th- I want to say three to four more games than what they did. But just, it's hard to say that in the end. Hey, they beat Baylor and UConn, which you can't hang your hat just on those two wins alone. But still, yet what they've accomplished this year in a year of COVID, traveling the same day on a plane, getting off two hours for tip off, getting a little shoot around and then playing a game. So, you know, I'm not going to complain about what these girls have done because, I mean, 4,400 people in the stands, two games this season, which is the most of any college women's college basketball game attendance this year because of. COVID restrictions. So, you know, the fans are starting to believe. 
And like you said, they play Ole Miss on Thursday. Arkansas is a sixth seed, and the winner of that game plays number three seed Tennessee, and the winner of that one is more than likely going to face South Carolina. So it does not get any easier, as we've talked about before, as tough as the SEC is in all sports, baseball, softball, football, whatever, you name it. It arguably is the toughest in women's basketball, and it's not going to get any easier for the Razorbacks there. And uh, just trying to improve their seed. I think right now, Charlie Cream's got them around that 4-5 seed, kind of around the same uh, that the men are projected as well. But again, uh, just a phenomenal comeback for this team. We knew that they were going to be extremely talented, hit that SEC slump there. And uh, then they beat UConn, and then it was just seemed like uh, that, that they just really got on a run and have been great. But we talked about on Monday's show, or I guess it was Friday's show, how amazing this overall athletic program has done. Saturday, that success continued. Sunday, that success continued. The only teams that lost this week, I know at least this weekend, were the men's tennis team and the soccer team. Arkansas men's basketball, of course, defeated LSU, as we talked about in segment one. They beat Bama, number six, earlier this week. Baseball got the sweep of Southeast Missouri. Softball, I believe now, did, uh, they've, they're at 11 in a row. Is that right, Porter? Yeah, so 11, yeah, yeah, eleven in yeah, a row, six six and zero over this event. Yeah, the Razorback Invitational. And, yeah. and, and gymnastics also had a good weekend. Men's and women's track and field both won the SEC indoor championships. And hockey, they were initially scheduled to play Iowa State. That got canceled. They were going to play two games, and they were able to reschedule one on Sunday with Dallas Baptist, which they won two to one. But Cable, we'll get into baseball now. Now. One of the big concerns, like I said, they swept SEMO in a four-game series by a total of, and I think this is correct, 33 runs to 15, advancing to 7-0 on the season. Sunday's game was called early due to storms, and Arkansas just dominated the overall series, minus having to come back from a 5-2 to deficit on Friday when they walked it off in the 10th inning. But the big concern was the, the bats. Now, they got them going at the plate typically later on in the in the three games that they played in Arlington, but with 10 home runs this past weekend, I think that, that at least for right now, those uh, concerns at the plate are pretty squashed. Yeah, you saw, especially when they played Texas, they were hitting the ball right at them. You had Adam balls, and they were making good swings. They weren't chasing a whole lot of pitches. They did have some higher strikeout numbers, but you, you saw it this weekend that when Caden Wallace gets in his zone, he hit two home runs this weekend. And I said it on last Monday's podcast that if Christian Franklin, all he needed was that spark and it was that triple against TCU and the first three games of the series, he hit three home runs and he had an off day today, but he was four for five yesterday. He's rolling right now. Robert Moore seems to get you know a little bit in a groove. He had a home run over the weekend. Matt Goodhart, it was really good to see him back in the lineup. Uh, he played the last two days, went three for six, had his first home run today. It landed three quarters of the way up the scoreboard. But the two that really stick out are Jalen Battles and Brady Slavens. Those two are JUCO products that are in their first year as a Razorback, and Brady Slavens wasn't even projected to be a starter. Now, that just shows you how deep this lineup is and how deep that bench is because you got two guys that started last year in Jacob Nesbitt and Braden Webb who aren't getting any playing time right now because if you don't hit, you're going to sit. So, uh, Cullen Smith has really kind of settled in over at third base. They think he's a better option there. Brady Slavens with his 6'3 frame has settled in at first. Talked about Wallace. Ethan Bates got his first start of the year today. Went one for two with the walk, had a nice uh, single to right field. So, yeah, uh, they're using this time right now to kind of 
figure out what they can do. And this is a really athletic lineup. And like we talked about earlier on a preview show or two, and we talked about it with Phil and Bubba, this team's going to run a lot. And they, they're 10 of 11 in stolen bases so far through seven games. They got 11 home runs. So they can put runs on the board in a lot of different ways. And that's going to be trouble for a lot of teams in the SEC. We saw Patrick Wecklander on Thursday and Connor Nolan Friday. That was some guy, two starters from last season, your Friday and your Saturday guy from the shortened season that had some struggles, and we saw him in relief roles. Both did very well. Connor had one of the best that he's ever had on campus. Pitching overall wasn't bad, but right now it seems like Peyton Paulette is the only one that separated himself and will for sure be in the weekend rotation. I know that you said you saw some things from Lockhart that you liked against TCU and had a couple of pitches that really just wasn't in, in control there in that game. That was probably expected with uh, the shortened season last year and then you know coming in uh, to a new program. But who are some other guys that you've really liked? I know Cops was one of the ones that we talked about last week that had been a little inconsistent at least in the in game one, but he's picked it up a lot. I know he gave up a home run, but who are some other guys that you expect uh, to really step up more in these rotation roles and then possibly who could uh, be your consistent sat- other Saturday and Sunday guys if Paulette is your Friday guy? Yeah, Peyton Paulette right away. His fastball has been 93 to 96 consistently, and through 50 pitches during his start, he was at 39 strikes, 78% strike rate, and that that's – that's really high, <laughs> so to speak. And you got to be competitive around the plate. When we saw when Zeb Vermillion started, he kind of got us in a little trouble. Uh, he had four walks. I think they had six as a staff uh, during his game. But, you know, Caleb Bolden made it a third of an inning after being the co-SEC pitcher of the week. And that's when Wicklander came in. It gave us a chance. Right now, you see a lot of guys that are four innings, and that's about their max. We have got to establish who is going to be that guy or those two or three guys that can take us into inning six or seven. That way we're not taxing a bullpen. We've already established we have a lot of depth. I think they got they had 12 or 13 pitchers that threw over the course of four days this week. So we've got to find out those guys. I'm pretty sure Paulette, once they start stretching him out a little bit, he's around the 75 pitch mark right now. He's going to be able to go deeper into games. And I know I've talked a lot about this with you guys and Porter. We've talked about it. But it was really good to see Connor Nolan get out there and be really competitive. He, he didn't give up a whole lot. He threw strikes. That was a big thing. Uh, if he's competitive in the zone and he keeps the ball down, he's going to be good. And say the same hey. thing about Kevin Cobb. Yeah, go ahead, Porter. Hey, Bob, really want to ask about the offense and moving forward. When, a, when they go up against a team that's got two legit number one starters in, just how they're going to overcome that because it seemed like their guy, Dodd, just really shut them down with 10 strikeouts, and I think they had 13 strikeouts overall in that first game. Yeah, and you saw it some last weekend on the front end. I think the stat was 23 out of the 27 runs through the first four games were scored in the sixth inning or later or seventh inning or later. It was something ridiculous like that. And you're going to have to, you're going to, have to get to those front-line guys like you mentioned. Um I think they were a little free swinging at first. And you had guys like Nesbitt and Webb in there who were not hitting at all. Ben Webb was hitting 063. Jacob Nesbitt didn't have a six in any of his first three starts or in his game that he came in the other night. So I think the lineup as it is right now gives you more versatility. You haven't seen any opportunistic baseball, a.k.a. small ball, 
I think they have one sack bunt, and that was with Zach Gregory. So you, you have the guys that can rely on to get home runs in Wallace, Goodhart, Franklin, Slavens. And then you got guys like Robert Moore and Cullen Smith who are going to be really good base hit guys. So it's starting to come into form. There's going to have to be a little bit more strategy as you go forward and you get into these uh, top-end guys, like you mentioned, like Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter for Vanderbilt, which we don't face, but everybody's got those in the SEC. And that's what we're going to have to do going forward. But I think this is going to be a really good hitting ball team. And you kind of saw that once you get into later series. No, Everybody's bullpen is not going to be like Arkansas's. And they're going to have some depth. But once you can really start working the front end guys, if you can get to those backing guys, that's when you're going to start seeing us score a lot of runs. Cable okay, at left field, we saw a couple of different uh, ex- – basically, it's just I think it was three guys. It was Braden Webb, Zach Gregory, and then on Sunday, you had freshman Ethan Bates from Hot Springs that they put out there. And DVH said in the post or the pregame with Phil Elson that a lot of that was really just because, you know, Braden Webb is the best – defender on the field but he's been really struggling at the plate so it seems like this is more of an at the plate thing than it is on defense but who do you think really has established himself at least I know that it's hard to say right now because it's so early but do you think that they could go with possibly Gregory or Bates going forward if Braden continues to struggle at the plate I like Bates at the plate better than I do Gregory Uh, he's got pop and I think he's going to hit better I've, I've never thought Zach Gregory was that much of an advanced hitter but he does have a little bit more experience than Ethan does right now. And that's from the left side. Zach White is athletic enough, but he doesn't have the experience. Plus, he's a right-handed hitter like Braden Webb. They're going to have to figure it out pretty quick. Uh, and if they do have it as a platoon position, I think everybody has established themselves on the infield to where you got Smith, Battles, Moore, and Slavens. Nope, it's behind the plate. So if they have to platoon, if they – do it based on matchups, lefties and righties, but they might end up just riding who has the hot hand at the time. And I know that's a kind of a crazy thing to do in the game of baseball. It's not like you have two running backs back there and you just ride the hot hand like you do when you're platooning with carries, but that's what they might have to do. And they're going to get a lot out of, you don't have midweek games right now. So you're going to have to figure a lot of stuff out in the four days before you head into your next series next weekend. And uh, was it Zach, Dylan almost said Zachary, Zachary Leach? Dylan Leach uh, got the start yeah. on Friday for uh, Casey Opitz behind the plate. And then on offense, he went two for six and then had two and then scored two runs as well. How do you examine what he did? I know that there were some things that I know I actually didn't see the game that day, but I know Bubba Carpenter definitely said he had some growing pains on the broadcast. How did you make of his first start? Yeah, it's about what you expect with a, with a young man. And Dylan Leach should be playing his senior year of baseball right now. I, we we played against him this past summer in Texas, and I was I was very impressed with the bat. Uh, switch hitting guy, he's got a really big arm, but there's the small things that you you don't recognize what Casey Opitz does until he's not in the game. So he does a really good job uh, right now of receiving. He's not calling the pitches. We know Casey does call the pitches when he's in there. But when Leach is in, Hobbs is calling a game. Uh, it's just more about getting in the flow of game and getting used to the pitching staff. Casey's had these guys that he's been on this staff with for three years now. So they know each other. They know what each other's thinking. So 
they, they've taken the, that aspect of it out of it for Dylan. So he can just focus on, you know, receiving. He's got a really good arm behind the plate. I know Simo stole five bases today. They had two double steals, but that was on Lockhart. He was really slow to the plate, really big left, really big leg kick. So I think he's going to be really good back there. And he, he's going to be back there for the next two years after Casey leaves. And I think we're in really good shape. Hey, well, I wanted to ask you about Casey. He seemed like he took a big collision there on the first baseman and came on the back of his head. So, I mean, do you got any update on him, or was he all right? Uh, from everything I've heard so far, I talked to a couple of the players after the game. He's going to be okay. Uh, I think it was more for precautionary reasons than anything. They felt like they pretty much had it in the bag right now, and it was a spot where they could get Leach back in the game. So it was more precautionary than anything. They might take a look, give him – he might go through protocol – uh, concussion protocol the next two days, but I think he's going to be all right. And Cable, I wanted to ask about Blake Adams. Last year at the opening weekend, you had Nolan Wicklander and then Blake Adams. He struggled a little bit there, and then he you saw him a little bit before the 16 games were over. But you had heard some things about him. We haven't seen him yet this year. Have you heard anything about him about possibly if we could see him next week against Murray State? Yeah, the big thing right now with him is the consistency. The the stuff's there. He's going to be low 90s and will flash a 94, 95. But, and you saw it last week and this week. If you don't throw strikes, you don't stay in the game. Cade Monk walked two guys. He was gone today. He goes right to the next one. So they have to throw strikes and compete in the zone. You can't not be afraid of getting hit. You can't be afraid to give up a home run because Coach Matt Hobbs does not put up with that train of thought. You have to be a bulldog. You have to have that dominating mindset when you get out there. And we saw that a lot in the Fall World Series, that pitchers were really afraid of getting hit, so they would be uh, not even around the plate. They're throwing ball, 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 had nine or ten walks. And, you know, you have to be competitive in the zone. If you give up a bomb, so what? That's what I loved about Blake Knight. Death, taxes, and Blaine not giving up a home run during that magical 2018 season. We knew he was going to give up at least one a game. He went undefeated that year, but guess what? He went right after the next hitter. That's the mindset that these younger guys have right now. And when you got guys come in like Jackson Wiggins, and you know we've talked about it a lot on this show, and I know I'm probably a little biased towards the young man because I coached him, but you know when you're 96, 97, 98 with a power changeup that has MLB scouts just in awe of right now, you got to be better than that. And there's not many that are better than that. So it's a deeper staff than it was last year. So there's going to be less opportunity. So your game has to step up. And we've talked about with Wicklander and Nolan that this is not like it was two years ago or even last year. When the talent is better, the talent pool is better and deeper. You have to take your game to the next level. Now, and you know, you're seeing it all around the field right now because you got two starters that are out with Nesbitt and Wet. Um, so yeah, there's more competition. You got a top five recruiting class that come in. So take your game to the next level if you want in there and be consistent. Take the advantage of your opportunities, make the most of them, and you'll get to go back out there again. I guarantee you, Patrick Wicklander and Connor Nolan get a shot at starting this weekend now after what they did this past weekend. I want to go back to Wiggins. Now, I know you coached him. You know him very well. 
at this point in the season, he has only pitched two innings, but he's faced tw- – uh, what is it? Uh, or I think he's faced six batters, almost at 12, doubled that up. He's faced six batters, and he struck out five of them. Now, that's about as good as you – because I know we saw it, that kid from FAU, that true freshman that hit back-to-back grand slams at his first two at-bats. It's really hard to follow up what you did – what that kid did at the plate and what Wiggins has done on the mound in his short time there. Now, do you feel, just knowing the kid as well as you do, do you think that that could possibly be something that really gets into his head and then maybe becomes something that might mess with his psyche moving forward just because he has so much pressure to live up to now? I don't because he's such a laid-back young man. Uh, nothing really gets to him. He, he's not, he doesn't talk a whole lot. He, he goes out there and he just competes. You will not see a whole lot of emotion out of him. Matt Cronin, the inhaler, the slap on the face, and then run out there to Metallica type deal. That's not going to be Jackson. It's going to be laid back, go out there, do my job, shove, and go back to the dugout. Now, the big thing with him is him pitching on, let's see, he threw last Sunday or month last Sunday, and or Monday, I can't remember which was, and then he came back on Thursday. Now that that's not normal for him. He's used to taking five days off uh, in high school or summer ball, and then five or six days and then throwing again. So he has to get acclimated to a, a rotation. So they're bringing him along slowly. When he when he gets into a game, he's throwing three or four innings. He'll probably sit ninety four to ninety six. You won't see no. You won't see as many seven or eights up there. But he won't let the pressure get to him. He, he's just not that type of kid. He just goes out there and throws the baseball. And I don't want to touch too much on this because by the time that this drops, we will about to be see the rankings or the rankings will have already come out. But D1 Baseball, Baseball America will drop their rankings on Monday. And it's just really no question that the Razorbacks should be number one, being undefeated, already being number two, and then Ole Miss dropping the series to UCF over the weekend. Now, it's one of those deals, and Bubba and Phil talked about it today that are on, on Sunday, that yes, it's always great to be number one. It's, it doesn't matter what time of the season, whether it's the beginning or not. It's always great to have that. But then again, you've got that number. Porter talked about having the number two on target on your back. Well, now everybody's going to be gunning for you since you're the number one team or it's looking like that's a possibility. Do you think it really right now with what the Razorbacks have shown that there's just no question that at least at this point in the season, a weekend or so, that they are the number one team in the nation? At this point, yes. And like you just said, at this point, it doesn't matter because what this – shows you that you have a team that is good enough or has the ability to be there at the end. Now, if you look through it, five of the top six teams in the D1Baseball.com poll lost. They lost the game this weekend. Uh, Vanderbilt got beat by Georgia State on in their first game on Thursday. Kumar Rocker did not start that game because they pushed it back a start because of weather. And then you look at Louisville. They lost to Western Illinois, who was 0-13 last year. Mississippi State lost a game to Tulane. Miami went one and two against Virginia Tech after taking the series two out of three against Florida last weekend. Florida bounced back going five and oh on the week. UCLA lost their four and three on the year. And Porter asked me the other day, he was like, is this a testament to how good Arkansas is or what? And I said, that's part of it. But I think the biggest thing is you have more parity in college baseball this year because you got guys that are playing that are 23, 24 years old. And you have more talent spread across the whole landscape than there's ever been. So there's going to be these times 
uh, during during the early part of the season that you're going to see some of these upsets, especially when you don't have midweek games for a lot of people, that when you play four games in a series, you might slip up and lose one like Vanderbilt did, even though they scored 29 runs the next two games and beat Georgia, Georgia State pretty handedly. Uh, Texas Tech rebounded. They beat uh, – I forget who it was, but they outscored them 37 to six over a three game set. So yeah. Uh, congratulations for the hogs right now. Yeah. They're going to get that number one ranking. Now, how long can they hold on to it? And can they prove that they belong there? Well, unless the SEC steps in and makes them a cove number one, yeah, <laughs> some way, somehow they might do that. I don't know. But, but yeah. what I wanted to touch <laughs> on is if, you know, they're going to be number one, but you look at how many SEC teams are going to be in that top 10 position. So it's not easy, you know, just because you're the number one team now. You've got to – and the expectations. Now the fans are going to expect you to, I mean, sweep every series. I mean, it's just the way it is with this fan base. So now yeah. in, the, in the mentality of you've got to try to keep, you know, keep winning series. And I think that's the biggest thing we've talked about on this show is you, you don't have to sweep every series. You've got to win the series. That's how you keep moving up in the rankings. If, if you go two and one and you win every se- series – that, that means to me that you're holding your ranking. You're still the best team. So, I mean, you might drop a series here and there, and they're going to lose some series. I mean, again, this is the SEC. It's the best conference in the nation. And I'll tell you what, from what we've seen overall, it's hard to believe to pick a sport other than like a volleyball or something that the SEC is not the best conference in America in all these big sports. And so the Hogs have that opportunity to continue to win another series. They are, as Cabo said, they are not playing the midweek series as of right now until we get into conference. And they play at bomb again for the weekend series with Murray State Racers starting Friday. First pitch set at 3, Saturday at 2, and then a late lunch game Sunday at 1. And guys, I'm just hoping that we can have – it's going to be hard to duplicate the week that the Razorback teams had. But, man, I'll tell you what, I, I think that we have endured enough heartbreak through the years – that uh, we definitely deserve this, and it is just great to have. Yeah, yes. I mean, we we showed that post the other day that every every sport in seasons ranked, every single one of them is ranked. I mean, how awesome is that? And you could see, I mean, you could see in people's going to the baseball games, they're going to the softball games, soccer games. I mean, every single one of these sports that are getting ranked, they're getting fans in the stands, and it's yeah, it's one of the crazy. I mean. What we started off with, there's two programs in a span of seven days that lost. Everybody else won. So, I mean, it's one of the best weeks that we've ever had in a long time. And, guys, this fan base deserves it. Yeah, and something that was added the other day I saw on Twitter, they said, man, we could go back to the nostalgia days of 1977 and 78 where we went to the Orange Bowl and beat Oklahoma. We went to a College World Series and we uh, made it to the Final Four. And I'm like, I mean, you go back to 89-90, we went to the Cotton Bowl, the College World Series, and Final Four also. So you don't see this. And a lot of people pay attention to those big three sports. That They yeah. they gauge everything by how that goes. And I, and I was talking to a few of my friends this week who are really into sports, not just on a local level, but nationwide. They're Georgia fans. They're uh, Florida fans. And I was like, you look at in-season sports right now. Every team's ranked, like you said, Porter. And some of those are going to be ranked top in the nation. You got men's and women's track and now, now baseball. And then the basketball teams are doing well. Enjoy the stretch that we're on right now because they don't come along very often. And it just shows you how Hunter Yurichek really gets and he's really wrapped his mind around how fanatical this fan base can be. 
and how great it is to be one Razorback. Yeah, and I think Arkansas is blessed with the baseball. You know, having a fan base that's passionate, because if you want to be real, I mean, you might go in the, in the SEC in the South, it's mainly football, you know, and then yeah. basketball and then baseball. Because I want to tell you something that really just kind of drove me crazy. I tried to find a baseball score on the ESPN app, and I had to go to the <laughs> other. I had to go to the other sports through equestrian and, and MMA, and then finally got the D one baseball to try to find yeah. the Division one baseball scores. And that to me is insane. So it's not just the women's sports that kind of gets the shaft because I mean you've got a lot of good Division one. I. I mean we've seen it with the Arlington, the place in Arlington. They had Flow Baseball broadcasting it instead of Fox Sports Southwest. So. Yeah, it's crazy. So Arkansas is blessed, like you said, enjoy it because you could be like some of these teams that don't even care about their baseball program. Well, and I think for the first time on Sunday was when I saw the college. I, I, maybe I missed it the last couple of days, and maybe I missed it in seasons past, but I finally saw a college baseball score. So that's really nice to see. I think that, you know, and, and they just, the Hogpod did a, a one recently with with DVH and Rick Schaefer and Hog Noxious, a couple of other ones, uh, Chuck Barrett. Just talking about the uh, the rise of where this program was, and we we know the story of Norm DeBrine was on there too. How the baseball team when Norm DeBrine took over was practicing at fairgrounds in Texas, and all those Big Twelve schools were coming in laughing at them, and to where they yeah, are the now. The band starts practicing, yeah. and they got to bounce so, off. Yeah, yeah, so they got to leave. Just it's just <laughs> insane, and that, you know, and that wasn't that. Long. I mean, it, yeah, I understand it was forty years ago, but to think at that point when you know when our parents were like around college age or you know when they were pretty young and now we are a national program that everybody is envious of i know that we don't have a national title but there is still plenty of programs that are envious of what we have and so but guys uh we really appreciate you listening once again to episode 171 make sure of course if you're that you're subscribed to our podcast but also to the hit that line podcast network you can listen to the morning rush ruskin and zach the halftime pod primetime preps the only high school podcast in the state of arkansas we're brought to you by breeding rv it is the only it, or it's not the only but breeding rv center is family owned and operated a no pressure laid back atmosphere and always home of the free maintenance plan for life but other than that guys we thank you so much for listening we will see you friday that is all we got for you today hope you have a fantastic week go hogs Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.